This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, what has been your experience with Canada's healthcare system during the pandemic? We ask the Shift Heads and they let us know what they have been going through at work and in their personal health. The hockey movie Slapshot is one of the best hockey movies of all time, but did you know that this 70s classic is also a deep and insightful look at a steel town in Pennsylvania? Richard Burker, a local historian in Johnstown, tells us all about where Slapshot was filmed, the impact of the movie on the town, and the fascinating story in Pennsylvania that's now a pilgrimage for hockey fans and they're trying to do more to bring in more people too. We also do some TV trivia. Ryan asks some questions plus some tributes to Bob Saget and Full House to Handy Andy Barrar and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Here on the Shift, Ryan O'Donnell, Brendan Kelly, I'm Shane Hewitt and we like to, you know, have a little bit of fun. Some of us here, though, cheat on the show and scroll ahead to answers to questions when they're not supposed to, not pointing any elbows at anybody or or, or saying that their name rhymes with Schmidt and Schmelly. But I'm just saying that Ryan O'Donnell has put together a piece here, and because of um, Schmidt and Schmelly's behavior, nobody gets to see the questions or the answers that we're about to do. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Well, I, I guess we're going to have to start this contentiously. Sure. <laughs> oh, did you lose your mic, Ray? I think Ryan has lost his mic. That's weird. He's on here. so uh, Maybe his computer froze. Yeah. Maybe this was his thing all along. Um, maybe it was his thing all along that he just was going to not give us any of the content for this piece. And then he's just going to like, yeah, I'm just going to turn leave, off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to turn off all the things now and not even be listening you know he's back at all. we got him Hi. yeah yeah i'm back there we go. yeah my Welcome mic back. was off you yeah. looked very worried a, there for a second i was very worried how can trivia happen without a trivia master Ooh, master can't give yourself that title yeah that's like giving mm-hmm. yourself a nickname unfair mm-hmm. maybe Offside. we maybe we were just actually in our off-air chat there that you guys didn't hear we were just secretly exchanging the answers <laughs> wouldn't surprise Change me with you two I just changed all every single question out of out of uh protection for the integrity of this game <sighs> of trivia. 877-399-9898. You are more than welcome to participate. Uh you can join on the phone, you can join on the text. We'd love to have you call in and be part of this too. Ryan has set this up. I have no idea what we're doing. Ryan wanted to quiz us we get i've been asked a couple Mm -hmm. of times for things like ask let's do a thing called ask shane anything and let's do a thing called let's just quiz everybody okay well i have no idea where we're going i feel like you know we're gonna play some game show Mm -hmm. segments or 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 something like that so i'm guessing there's probably some game show music here look at that doesn't get more game showy than that welcome to Game Showy. It's your chance to not cheat and know the answers. It's Game Showy here on the Whatever Whatever Network. Bob? Ah. <laughs> well, thanks, Bob. Welcome to Game Showy <laughs> on the shift. <laughs> I like that. I think we should totally call this guy Game Showy. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to do some trivia, my friends, with a bit of a focus on television, not just current television classic tv as well as uh some questions regarding full house uh bob saget uh, passed away on monday so we wanted to do a little bit of a tribute via the world of trivia and some uh, amazing stats and and things you might not know uh or do know about full house and some of his work so let me run you through a couple of the rules i will ask the trivia question mm-hmm. and then whoever answers first will go first and by that chain you can just go me 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 brendan can go me 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 if you know the answer tell me if you get the answer correct you hear this hey. oh, there's an audience very yeah there's an audience if you get it wrong you hear oh i forgot you had that button um <laughs> don't use that when it's not needed yeah it might get (laughs) a little bit hey man Uh, he cheats i'll screw up the flow okay that's fair 
yeah, we're all in this together. We're all in this sinking ship. That yeah, uh, if you're wrong, that's what you hear. It's just a slightly different buzzer than uh, what we normally hear. And then if you're both wrong, <laughs> if you're both wrong, if both of you are incorrect, which happened a lot the first time we tried this, you're gonna get a sassy response. Ooh. <laughs> that is not correct. Oh, that is not correct. Okay, uh, that's how that's gonna go. Uh, we've also got some other sounds and lovely things uh, to make this feel even more of a game showy. So, welcome to game showy. First question. It's an easy one. I think this is an easy one, at least. If you were to be watching the show Full House. What was the name of the father on that show? Me, 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 me. Brendan. <laughs> Danny Tanner, played by Bob Saget. That is correct. Not me. I got to scroll up on my burly. There it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, correct. Yes. <sighs> Danny Tanner, played by Bob Saget on. Full when I saw House. that question yesterday, what not the question, when I saw that info, when Bob Saget passed away, I, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That was his name. I didn't remember his name at all. Oh, okay. Uncle Joey. Uh, Uncle Joey? Uncle Joey. Yeah. Joey wasn't uh, an uncle. I don't know if that question's coming up later. Joey wasn't an uncle. Joey was Danny's friend. Yeah, and he was like... Uncle yeah, Jesse was, was the, 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 he was the uncle, sponge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. right. It was... Okay, fair enough. Uh, all right, just going to delete 15 questions and put in some Sorry new ones here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about this? How about this? Here's another Full House one. Okay. Danny Tanner and Aunt Becky worked together on which fictional show? Me, 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 me. Full me. House. Me, me, me. Oh, wow. Uh, that it. would be the morning show, Wake Up San Francisco. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give you a half point. The technical show would be Good Morning San Francisco. Oh. I'm pretty sure it was Wake Up. Uh, I'm pretty well, sure it was because I, I remember you... the theme song, Wake Up. Right. That's, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. You get a point. Okay, Brennan's leading to nothing, Shane. Okay. Uh, let's spice how up the show. Oh, how is it leading to nothing when he just got it not right? No, I, I wake up, right. Sam Fr- uh, Danny Tanner, host of TV morning show, Wake Up San Francisco. That was my answer, so I got okay. it actually well, fully correct. You got it fully correct. Yeah. I still right. don't believe that you're not cheating here. It's just history, unfortunately. No, I just know he's watched the show. I watched the show. I, like, I was a show. child. Uh, I was mm-hmm. the demographic the show was going for. I watched it when it originally aired, and I just happened to remember because okay. I got a good memory. Speaking of demographics, this, one, this, this show has kind of transcended demographics. Which coffee house... Did Ross, Rachel, Monica, Chandler, me, me, me. Phoebe, and Joey me, me, me. hang out in on Friends? Shane? Central Perk. That is correct. Very Yay. good. Got to give the Gen Xer one, yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's <laughs> uh, let's uh, stick maybe in that generation. Uh, what is Bart Simpson's teacher's name? Me, 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 me. Good time. Brendan. Mrs. Krabappel, Edna Krabappel. Yeah. Homer calls her Crandall. That's right. Homer <laughs> really? does call her Crandall. Oh, uh, by the way, we also uh, have some I like how uh, proud audience you look members. Right now, Brendan. He's so yeah. proud. He's really He's running away proud. with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. When we did this with Scott, Scott ran away with it. Uh, so yeah, but they were all like nice biology. I feel like this is very passive aggressive, or am I just defensive in this moment? <laughs> a little defensive, I think. Maybe crack there's open plenty of time and opportunities to come forward here. All right. uh, we also, uh, I was just going to say, we also have some uh, audience members here, um, which have been instructed to give us both an ah. That one was labeled ah, That's, but it was okay. clearly the ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so that's our ooh audience, and uh, I'll flash the card up for uh, ah and ah. So very involved. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's guess the sound. Okay. Can you tell me the name of the TV show associated with this theme song? 
Ah, me, 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 me. Oh, it was me. Brendan? Ah, there's he me. Said, he said, bah, me, me, me. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, anyway, it's America's Funniest. He just made some random noise. America's Shameless. Funniest Home Videos. This was the Bob Saget version theme song, was, too. Yeah. Watch this, this too. That was the demographic. This is a and scam. Oddly, I, I, I will say, Shane, you looked like you knew the answer. You looked like you were going to say something, but you mm-hmm. got to be fast. I was draw. faster. Okay, well, I'll just make random noises with my face hole lift like he hand, just did. Put your hand up. You're getting very it's, it's defensive. It's radio, Ryan. Very defensive. Very defensive. Very. <laughs> Brendan's leading of a score of... Brendan's uh, cheating. <laughs> okay, all right. How about uh, how about this TV show? Can you tell me what this show this is? Me, me, me. There you go. You that was very fast. Yeah. Well, I'm, not, I'm messing around now. <laughs> Shane? Do you know the Smash. answer? It's Match. Smash, correct. Baby. Uh, I even watched that show. I love Match. I remember our- watching that show. Oh, thank you. I remember watching that show in our wood panel wall basement with my dad's trucker caps all on nails. <laughs> Everyone of that generation will remember that era. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Okay. Uh, I will give either either of you bonus points. If you can tell me, this is for oh. my generation. If you can tell me the name of this TV show. <laughs> Anything? You know, I know it. Harry Potter? No. 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 This is this is like one of the most popular animated cartoons of anybody who is between the ages of Caillou. Like 27. No. Oh no, we all hate Caillou. No, it's oh, nobody uh, likes Caillou. Yeah, nobody likes Caillou. Uh, it's uh, it's fairly Odd Parents, classic animated Didn't TV even know show. that was a thing Caillou. as a name. Oh, like yeah. you just said, fairly Odd Parents. I'm like, never heard of it. Really? Of it. Wow, mm-hmm. that's insane, guys. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody I knew grew up with that show. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. So I think you got you get you did pretty good. You did pretty good there. Okay, here's a here's a this has nothing to do with the TV show itself, more so its production. Can you guess what was the first TV show to invent reruns for the purpose of giving its star time to recover during and after pregnancy? Star reruns during and after pregnancy. I feel like that really narrows it down. They came up with reruns so that they could give the stars time for maternity leave. See, but I don't know anybody from, yeah, anybody from that long ago that was uh, a mom, right? Like Betty White chose her profession over kids, right? Back then? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go with the only old show. I Love Lucy. It is I Love Lucy. (laughs) That's, yeah, it was the oldest show you could think of. That's a good yeah. way to go. That was it a good is one. I Love Lucy. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very, very, very <laughs> wow. Brett is hey, very Mr. excited. Mr. Quiet over there is now Mr. Cocky Pants. Yeah. Uh, okay, how about this? What is Dorothy Zbornak's job on the Golden Girls? Me, 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 me. Oh, me, me, me. Nuts. Uh, substitute teacher. Yes. Yeah. That is correct. I would have said school teacher. I would not have said substitute. So that would have been a half a point. Even Which if she I was, was a substitute, though. Yeah, she's a I would have just said school. So you were right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, which, uh, how about this one? Which state does South Park, the animated show, take me, place me, me, in? Me, 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 me. I couldn't oh, tell. Like, Colorado. Yep. That, yeah, Colorado. <laughs> Damn. There, yeah. I, we haven't heard a See, wrong my, my, buzzer at all. My, um, my the nature of me, the competitive nature. I want to start throwing out chirps now. I mean, this, yeah. I'm losing, so I want to insult you. That's really what's going on in my head right now. My brain is thinking gold. of insults; it's not thinking of answers. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. How's this? Grown up here. What current TV show is the longest running live action primetime show ever? Uh, me, so me, I don't me, even me. Know what that means. Live Which show action? has been on the TV for longest, aside from The Simpsons? Uh, Live action? Me, me, me. Yeah, like real actors, not animated. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Longest running show on... Wait, wait, wait. Longest, now that I understand what it is. Longest running... I mean, he's going to get it right, but... Longest running live action show on TV today? Yeah. 
Okay, now, I, now I'm going to guess, just for the sake of having a guess, I'm going to say Grey's yep. Anatomy. Oh, no, live action is probably um, on around the world. Mm-hmm. The entire, it's probably Coronation Street. That is incorrect. This might surprise you, Shane. Uh, Brendan, do you know the answer? Uh, live action show. I want to say, like, I don't know, Days of Our Lives. That is, oh, I'm sorry. You both are incorrect. Oh. That, <laughs> that is it. not correct. There it is. Okay. I think you both need a little sassy. It's Law and Order SVU. Really? It's Law How and Order. Yep. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if that's true. Yeah. That can't be. No, because, I don't know if no, that's true. That's true. Crazy. Yeah. It 100 percent is. Coronation Street's been on TV since the 70s. Yeah, and like these soap operas have been on for years and years and years. I think you're just thinking of like North American primetime drama. No, but uh, yeah, I'm like I didn't say sitcom or or I said primetime show. Primetime. Did you say primetime? Well, I have to re-roll the I tape did. on that. I Law feel like order. we should go back to the logger because we record <laughs> go back everything. And listen. All right. Law okay. and Order has over 500 episodes. It's been on since 1999. And it's yeah, Law and Order. I could totally get Law and Order. I just, I guess, mm-hmm. you said not like The Simpsons, so I guess that took me into not into this sort of. I didn't All expect right. this to create the, the kerfuffle that it did. Okay. Hey, man, we're competitive uh, here. You're very competitive. Have either of you watched Frasier? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. What color is first, Martin Green's recliner? Uh, me, me, Brown. me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Brendan, 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 Brendan. You, 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 you. Uh, yep. Brown. Incorrect. Martin's is green. That is correct. Yes. There it is. Shade's coming back. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'll, okay, I'll give you... This is easy. This one, I yeah, a, this one, I'm sure... No, you see, there see, there was the chirp coming. I'm just going to be good here. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was I just say it because I started to say it. I was like, I'm sorry, I had a girlfriend at this time in my life, so I didn't watch as much TV. As yeah, I, w- I was like in elementary school, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even that one didn't work. Okay, how about this, Shane? This this one I've, I've included for you because I know you enjoy this show. On oh. the Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. Penny is a waitress at what restaurant? Me, me, me. Yeah. Cheesecake Cafe. That... Uh, it's factory, but I'll give you that. Yep. Oh, right. <laughs> I didn't really watch that show. Really? That's basically yeah, only that... on like 17 channels every day. I know. Yeah. It came along after I gave up on TV. You like it, I think. It's bit. very smart. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, what television show has won the most amount of Emmys? Emmys? Emmys. Yeah. Like the TV the version of the Oscars. Okay, well, Brennan's got his Google typing face on right now, so. Well, no, I'm like not, if I was typing, I'd be looking straight at you guys because oh, that that's the webcam computer, so you'd see that, and you know, it's really hard to do um, inconspicuously. Emmy wins like or you nominations? Are, you're doing it right now. Okay. I can see your reflection. Emmy wins or nominations? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm I have been... Have you, I'm give me some extra time. Yeah. To find I have been here. honest in every single answer that I've got done tonight. And... Well, this is also the first day, so congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, well, I can um, allow you me, to me, me. Okay, let me hear it. <laughs> SNL. That is correct. 81 Emmys. Crazy. I googled it. Okay. Oh, I'm dead there. Yeah. You should retract that point then. Yeah, you get twice uh... as many points for fast typing. Hello. <laughs> Uh, how about uh, you guys like Seinfeld, right? Yeah, I didn't really watch it. No, okay, then I'm gonna skip that one because there's no way you know the answer to that question. Yes, yep. uh, unless it's unless it's the proctologist one. Every time I used to turn it on, um, you know the uh, the doctor the Fusilli Fusilli Jerry one with the proctologist. That was the um, that was the only one that was always ever on. You know, when like there's only one rerun that's always on when you turn it on. That's that was mm-hmm. the one. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we've basically come to the the end of trivia. You guys have done yes. uh, an exceptional job of creating the most chaotic game of of, uh, <laughs> of trivia I've ever played, and I, I love That's that. I'm winning. Um, yeah. It, mm-hmm. I think it would be kind of a disservice to not do a, a Seinfeld question in trivia. Okay. So, right. let's see if you can get this. 
in Seinfeld, Kramer's name was actually what in the pilot? Me, 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 me. Oh. In the pilot. Damn, I in was going to say very pilot. It was yes. Cosmo. Um, was the name different in the pilot? The pilot was weird. Wow. Type away there, I Shane. Don't know that. I'm <laughs> the Googling. answer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I looked it up. You did? No, go ahead, Ryan. You can have a, it was your thing. I'm, I'm cheating. Okay. It was Kessler. Huh. It was Kessler. See why that didn't, didn't they make stick. a big deal about Cosmo in an episode where they Much made a big deal on. about his name? Yeah, because they never yeah, yeah, they do that. But their original name for the character was Kessler. That's yeah. it. And then they were like, wait a minute. No. He never had Let's a first Kramer. name. So then it was well into the series Kramer. when they established Cosmo. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to be like Donald Trump and be like, I clearly win uh-huh. because I was the we loudest. Should... Well, wait, why don't we put the game show music back on and we'll give a winner. All right. Thanks so much, folks, for listening in to Game Showy. I'm your host, Ryan O'Donnell, and today's victor, by an absurd margin, is Brendan <laughs> Kelly. Coming through with the victory. Brendan, how do you feel? I feel honest, and I... <laughs> First time ever. I feel honest, and I feel proud of my honesty. Very okay. good. We're moving Shame forward in, in life defeat. Here. How are you feeling? Well, I'm really proud of what I did here. Uh, I'm particularly proud of my typing skills mm-hmm. and uh, somewhat concerned that I'm old enough, the only one to know the um, intro to MASH. I feel like that was a plant to make me look older. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it too, if that makes you feel any better. All right. Thank you very much. There you go. If you ask Tune me a next Hawkeye week. question. Tune in next time here on Game Showy. Don't forget, get your pet spayed or neutered. This is the Shift Podcast. Tell me about your healthcare experience. Anything been delayed? Couldn't get something done? I've got to get worked on on my shoulder. That seems to be taking forever to happen. I can't get in front of an ear, nose, throat doctor. Uh, just getting doctor's appointments. So in the last couple of weeks here, we needed to deal with a couple of things, just some generalized, not scary, everyone's fine, health things inside the Hewitt house here. And, um, you know, the doctor's on vacation. Nobody's doing walk-ins anymore. And by the way, uh, yeah, we can get you in in two weeks. Stuff like that, right? It's been hard. The conversation about two-tier healthcare or three-tier healthcare has been a thing for a long time. There are some countries that have done it. It has worked very well. And some countries that have done it, it has not worked well at all. The thing that's different with Canada and, and the States is that it's private health care in America, right? You need your own insurance in order to get the stuff. And and that's a cost on you. But here, it's not free health care. You know, you pay your health care fees in most provinces. And our taxes pay for it. So we have higher taxes for it. It means health care for everybody. I like that. I like health care for everybody. And I was in a taxi in Hawaii once, and I asked the guy. I said he was making comments. He was a very, very, very Republican taxi driver. I said, but don't you? We're talking about homeless people. And I said, Defer, how deferring the problem sucks. And what about going to the hospital? He said, that place, that person has an emergency room to go to if they're in trouble. It's just not the same emergency room I go to. And if they want to go to my emergency room, they can get a job. I was like, oh, shoosh, that's, I never considered myself to be like super socialist in my life ever. But I was like, yeah, that's kind of cold, man. Like if you go in, he was telling me that if that guy shows up in an ambulance or a taxi, a homeless person, at a hospital that they'll be like, you don't have insurance, get out. Like, that's wild to me. But then we take this camera, let's this lens, and let's turn it back on Canada. And I got to ask you this question. At what point do we start to reevaluate and acknowledge the fact that Canada's healthcare is not working? Two years to get joint surgery done, right? Waiting times on surgeries before all of this were so long. Now there's backlogs. It's going to take longer. 
You know, getting a knee replacement is a two-year process in some provinces. Getting my shoulder repaired, when my shoulder would just pop out, like it was the worst, I couldn't sleep. It took me more than two years from my initial consultation to getting in front of the doctors to getting the surgery done. More than two years. We call ourselves a developed country, by the way. So at what point are we going to truly look at what's going on here with all of the lock? The, the, the reason why, you know, restrictions are in place is to not overwhelm the healthcare. Because if you get in a fender bender or slip and fall on a sidewalk and you break your leg, they want you to be able to get treated at a hospital. I find that comforting. I too would not want to die of a broken leg when there's a hospital filled with people who didn't want to get vaccinated and who are sick. Now it turns out that we have hospitals filled with all kinds of people vaccinated and otherwise. And there are talking about these hospitalization numbers going high because of the contagiousness of this new variant. So we can blame, and it seems to me to be this distraction thing, to not look squarely at the politicians for the status of healthcare. Hospitals in Canada are designed to be 100% full. Because if you're at 90% full, you've got a bunch of staff and rooms that are being wasted. That costs taxpayers money. Don't do that. But you've got to anticipate you have enough room in case something goes wrong, and then you can move people around and shuffle people from place to place to place in order to maintain we're not over full. So these are all pieces of the design of our healthcare, which is funny during COVID because they talk about, oh, they're moving this these cases from this province to that province or from this city to that city. Well, that's how the health system was designed anyway was to be able to distribute if there's trauma or tragedy. So at what point here as Canadians do we stop and look at everybody in politics and all the decision makers and say, this isn't working? This panic frees everybody because we don't know what's coming. I get that. Valid. But it seems to be the go-to now, and they say not to overwhelm hospitals. I guess I just have questions. I have questions about why is this not the conversation? Because to me, we've had two years. And yes, you can argue, and it's a good argument, that while we've got temporary ICUs or we've got whatever, and you can't in two years just magically whip up a bunch of doctors and nurses, respiratory specialists. You can't. But if this doesn't start a conversation about healthcare is not working, it wasn't working. It was good. But two years for a knee replacement for some of these people and what people go through? Come on. It wasn't working before this. And so why is the conversation not about starting to change the way healthcare works? We change the way we work. We change the way that we work from home. We change our jobs. You know, God help you if you're trying to order a coffee through plexiglass at a loud coffee shop with a mask on. We've changed a lot of things. It's time that Canada takes a look at our, our decision makers and we change healthcare. I need to be distinct. I think the problem is that there are so many doctors and nurses and hospital staff that work so hard and they're so committed to their jobs. They're so good at it. They're like the glue that holds it together. And they, they actually cover up so many of the failures because they care. I'm not insinuating that I'm asking anybody to not do their jobs because they literally are the fabric that that weaves this whole thing together. Let's go to Joyce, who's in Calgary. Hi, Joyce. Hi there. Uh, You just hit a nail on the head. I I am surprised because I have worked in in the lab. I work as a lab tech through COVID for the last two and a half years. And... In our department, we have been short sometimes two people every night, sometimes four people for the last two years because they've had to steal people for departments for the testing for COVID because that's never been a department that we've ever had, ever. It's a new department since COVID came in. And so they've had to steal techs from everywhere to man that huge department. And so we, in the existing departments, have had to deal with shortages of staff. And we've had to struggle to do the regular daily work to to take care of patient loads. 
I work in the Calgary area, and on our patient load is a million and a half people. And some nights there's only two of us to do close to two, 3,000 patients. Wow. So people don't realize how much work the, you see the doctors in emergencies, but you don't see the behind-the-scenes staff struggling to keep ahead of the work that is to be done every night so that regular patients can be taken care of. And, and you just mentioned it, and I, I thank you for bringing that topic. To uh, well, forefront. thank you, Joyce. I, I want to acknowledge, Joyce, um, that when you speak of it, I can hear the emotion in your voice. And I can hear how it matters to you. And uh, Pardon me, sorry? It's very frustrating because it's tiring. I'm not a young person anymore. I'm 67 years old. And to work that hard at this point in my life, it's very difficult. And it doesn't seem to be... You know, like I say, we can't be working like this every night, year, you know, week on, week off. We need staff. And they just go, well, there's nobody. Yeah. We, we can't well, find it, staff. And, and isn't it interesting? And this is. A little while ago, we cannot uh, train people fast enough because yeah. people are retiring. We, ha- you know, yeah, it takes I, I... two to it does, and I, I would say that this, Joyce, is that one of the things that we have to really look at. There's a lot of grants. There's a lot of re-education grants that are available out there. There's a lot of programs to support industry. And, I mean, hey, there's an awful lot of, you know, green industry uh, grants out there to go support those things. And I find it amazing that that some of the incentives, I mean, to be a truck driver is a great example. There's a lot of incentives and grants to go get your Class 1 license so you can drive truck right now, and and that's incredibly important. It's an incredibly important uh, incentive for people to do that. It's an expensive education. But at the same time, I, I find it surprising that we don't hear at least, maybe they do exist, maybe I'm naive about it, but we don't hear about it the same way of the, hey, if you want to go work with Joyce in Calgary and be a lab tech, you know, you can get your education almost paid for if you commit to these things and get right in the workforce. So that would be really nice to hear. Joyce, thank you very much for sharing your heart on that. I can hear the passion. And thank you for your, I will thank you for your hard work. Thank you. Th- thank you. On behalf of everybody, I mean, right? Like that's ever had to get a test done. There you go. Um, Joyce in Calgary works in the labs. Uh, Greg is in London. Hi, Greg. Hey, Shane. How are you tonight? I'm good. Thank you, Greg. You said you've been waiting for some to get some renovations done, hey? Yeah. Um, yeah. First of all, uh, yeah, you, you should make a series out of this. And, and then quickly, you asked the question, when should we start seriously looking at this? And I think we should have started about a decade ago because we knew this was coming and, and the leadership did too in this country and nobody did anything. So now we're in this predicament. But yeah, my situation... Um, I'll, I'll say I'll, over the last uh, 10 years, I've gone to the States twice already because I've had such long wait times. I've had to pull money out of my pocket and go to Michigan at Henry Ford to have uh, procedures done. And I need, uh, I've been waiting for back surgery here in Ontario uh, for three years before the pandemic hit. So I'm going to go on five years now. I've been off and on crutches for the last two years plus because of the situation. I cannot even get anybody to call me about the situation. It took me a year to go through a process, what they call a rapid access program. I had to go through two screenings just to see a surgeon. That took a year. And after I seen the surgeon, he, he just said to me, yeah, well, <clears throat> we'll be contacting you. And it sounded at that point like it would be you know, a year after that. Now, like I say, it's three years, going on five years. I have no idea what to do. If I could jump over the border tomorrow and go back. And, oh, here, here's something interesting. When I did go to the, uh, Henry Ford in, in Michigan, Detroit, Michigan, the surgeon I saw was a Canadian fella, one of the best surgeons that came out of Ottawa, highly trained and decorated with words. You wouldn't believe it. And I asked him point blank when I was visiting with him, I said, why did you come to the States? And he looked me in the eye and he said these words, because... If I stayed in Canada, I could not become the surgeon I want to be because I would never get the OR time. That's what he said to me. And this guy mm-hmm. is one of the best 
at what he does. He's very advanced. He, he, he designs programs to scan your body before, just before you get surgery so everybody's treated individually. It's just amazing. It's, and he's not that old. He's a young, younger fellow, too. Interesting. But that's what we're looking at, Shane. I, I mean, I'm not the only person. You know, this is an, this is an actual crime. This is third-world health care. This is what I'm calling it. This is yeah. third world health care. Well, the, I, I've got to be cautious on that one, Greg, only because of the fact that, you know, there are so many people that work so hard, right? I mean, the quality of our health care, and I haven't figured out the language yet. I mean, you know me well enough, Greg, to know that the words matter for me, and I haven't figured out the language yet to create the distinction between the quality of our health care and the decision-making in the process, and that's just not a not a catchy way to say it, right? And we need to create that distinction because the one thing when you say third world um, I, I'm cautious only because there are so many people that provide amazing quality of just human care and health care that I don't want to diminish their work with a statement like that, you know? Intervene. That's not what I meant. What I meant. No, I, hey, look, I have people in my family that work in the health care system. I'm not, I'm not uh, by any means demeaning these people. I, that's oh, not what I, I mean at so. all. What I meant was in terms of the system, the system yeah. that should provide. I think we're running on. Honestly, if you look at the numbers, and I did, I was actually looking at the hospital numbers and beds and ICU units across Canada, as, as compared to other countries, and we're in bad shape, my friend. We yeah. have we have not invested in new hospitals and kept up with the growth of the population of Canada it's in, yeah. in the last 30, 40 years, and that's what's happening here. And that's what Thank I you very much, by. Greg. Yeah. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you very much for the phone call. I get it. And just so you know, uh, Greg, I wasn't um, stepping on you about what you said. I was just creating that distinction to show support for the people that do work in that industry in case somebody steps into our conversation halfway through. Uh, that's just what I do uh, to make sure that everybody understands what we're trying to talk about. This is the Shift Podcast. Last week here on The Shift, the conversation around the movie Slapshot um, did uh, get started. Plus, it's our Shift AV Club movie of the week. So uh, we thought, why not learn more about this? Bruce Boudreaux uh, in the movie, he's in the background, but his apartment um, is in the movie because it was the messiest apartment they could find on the team. So we thought, how do we learn more about this? Because it's a very fascinating story, by the way, because the hockey team and the Hanson brothers were guys from the team that were in the movie that weren't really brothers, but kind of, because too. But it's it's a it's a really amazing story. Johnstown is an actual place. It's in Pennsylvania. And joining us here to talk about this is Richard Burkert. Richard is a local historian. And you have studied this incredibly long history of Johnstown, steel, and way too many floods, haven't you, Richard? Well, uh, yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I direct a couple of muse- history museums in Johnstown as well. We have a Johnstown Flood Museum, which is it's still, I mean, it was uh, probably the biggest uh, news story of late, late 19th century. I mean, it was a, it's fallen out of popular culture a long time ago, but it was, you know, a huge scandal and, and just a horrific story. It, you know, it, it took the whole front page of newspapers for more than a week in, in America and lived on for, for a very long time in popular culture in the United States. And, uh, uh, but it's, it's, it's a still town gone back, you know, iron and steel manufacturing back to the 1850s. And so that's created kind of an industrial society here that, well, uh, still making itself left Johnstown in the early 90s, you know, the way of life, you know, with a kind of a mixture of immigrants and, you know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people's family, you know, the uh you know, uh, lived according to the rhythms of the mills mm-hmm. and coal mines. So, so, you know, really, it's kind of, it's, an, it's a, one of these towns that, uh, you know, kind of emerged after this American Civil War and, you know, really kind of drove the United States into the modern age, you know, industrial age. Well, it does have, there, there's some interesting comparisons here. Um, obviously, you know, it's proximity to the Great Lakes, not close enough to make the steel town stuff work. But here in our broadcast cities across Canada, I mean, we have all the aluminum and, and all that going on in Hamilton. We've had floods in Calgary. We just had all these floods in British Columbia in our broadcast area there. So I think the Canadians can really relate to 
this this the Johnstown flood 1889 but then early 1900s um uh, the army corps of engineers came in and did a bunch of work on the banks and then it still flooded again um so it's been it's been a up and down story i mean post depression um hockey arrived which was great and then you know some of the teams changed and and then then you also have like this massive steel mill dump thing in the 90s so there's been a lot of roller coaster in your town yeah yeah it i mean it looks stable when you look at the history but you know the steel mills were inherently cyclical i mean they followed the economy and uh yeah there were people unemployed like frequently and uh it was it was Largely, you know, uh, it was the only steel mill I know of in the United States that actually had coal mines inside the plant, wow. you know. So, I mean, it was, an, you know, it was an industrial colossus here. But, it, you know, um, in the early 70s, they did a study here, the Urban Land Institute. And, you know, Bethlehem still was saying, like, 73, uh, you need to diversify. And then... You know, we're going to, with automation, we're, we're a whole lot less, fewer people are going to be working here on our mill. And so they tried, they started doing, you know, they recruited some new, new industries to Johnstown. But, you know, I, a few years later, they got the 1977 flood, which was, you know, uh, uh, it was really a natural flood. It overwhelmed the Corps of Engineers channels. It was a record flood. Uh, uh, ironically, it gave them, uh, opportunity to keep running the steel mills the dirty you know they got an environmental moratorium for five years and they saw this new technology but you know johnstown could never compete never got the level of investment investment and it all shut down in 92 and when you look at Slapshot, it's almost prophetic it's the year before the 77 flood mm-hmm. you, they can look you know it's like well they, they weren't planning that early the 70s uh, for the mills to be closed, far from it. They were going to finally put an uh, investment, investing uh, capital improvements that would allow automation. So they were looking at a lot of people getting laid off. Instead, what happened, you know, was uh, you know even more bleak. I mean, you had twenty five percent unemployment here in the early eighties. Uh, you know, now, now it's changed since then somewhat, but yeah, no, it it is. It's like slap shot. You know, caught the town really at its, you know, what's you know, the end, the very end of that whole era of prosperity. Yeah, and it, it, it's an interesting, um, it's such an interesting crossroads, right? I mean, you got proximity to Canada, so you get at the time Canadian hockey spillover. Um, yeah. You know, the NHL was still small, so it was really northern based in in the United States, and then yet you have this small town, blue collar job hockey players trying to make it sort of storyline and the the Jonestown or excuse me Johnstown Chiefs now they were in the East Coast Hockey League were they at the time were, were the Chiefs they were the Jonestown team? Jets they were the Jets they were the Jets at the time yeah and they they later became the Chiefs mm-hmm. they were the Chiefs in the in slap shot right uh, the hockey team was the Chiefs they they worked with the existing Jets that was there for that were there from all 1950 to early 70s, and they they their name well though in the, in the film was uh, Chiefs, mm-hmm. and so when that hockey franchise came back, uh, you know later uh, they changed their names to the uh, name to the Chiefs. Smart marketing. They emulate <laughs> the movie and some of the, you know some of the the good old times. It's a, it's amazing. What's the what's the residual turnover now? I mean, this movie has become the core of the hockey iconic movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was the core of violence in hockey at the time because um, yeah. hockey or violence put bums in seats. Probably still does today, I suppose. But um, what what's the spillover all these years later? Has it has it stuck? Well, there. Uh, uh there's still hockey in Johnstown. And the reason there was hockey is that uh, after the Second World War, uh, some of the town fathers, they talked about doing a war memorial. And everyone, uh, they're, they're saying, well, they 
made plans for you know some monument they they thought well we should build something permanent it would be a benefit to the community and at great expense they built an arena and very quickly had ice capades like the the week they opened they had the ice capades here they put a, a ice rink in it's primarily an ice rink <clears throat> And, uh, you know, so, you know, they almost immediately had a hockey franchise. So that you know, arenas continue to do uh, well, COVID has not helped it. But I mean, you know, they use it for concerts, they use it for other events. But you know, there's still a hockey franchise here. It's not, a, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a lesser league. Yeah, the Chiefs moved but, on, uh, didn't it? Yeah, Chiefs moved long, uh, long disbanded. Yeah, or, or moved on. Yeah, but, uh, yeah it's the... Yeah, you know, I mean, there's still a, a pretty avid following for hockey here. That's amazing. It's so cool to think that, um, that you know, the, it carried on. I mean, the the long list of teams in your town. Uh, there's a long list of names of teams that have come in and out of that town. Uh, do you find that um, that people still come there looking for the Chiefs all the time? Do I mean do people come strolling into your museums looking for Chiefs jerseys um, and all that stuff? <laughs> you know, I'm an historian. We we run history museums. It's you know, it's 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 got. I mean, it's uh, uh, it's a historically really interesting, you know, town. It's uh, uh, it's got a diverse ethnic base. It's uh, at least the old style immigrants, the you know, the Eastern Southern European immigrants. It's got you know, uh, it was really technologically a birthplace of the steel industry, and you have the Johnstown flood now. Uh, you know, I, I work in tourism and, you know, for years, people have tell, been telling me and others that, you know, if we could get something to do here, people would come for the, the uh, uh, Slapshot story. And I don't think the community can really. We tried pulling people together and people can't really decide how, you know, how to remember Slapshot. Because I, I remember... Uh, uh, we have a, a, a commercial size, like 35 millimeter projection theater in one of our museums. And, you know, we had a bunch of people we pulled together just uh, years ago to start talking about what we could do with an event or attraction, something we could do with Slapshot. And uh, so some somebody decided we should show the film first. And, you know, they were all excited. We could, we could have like, amateur hockey and it would be a family friendly event <laughs> and so we showed, showed the film first and all these people had brought their children little kids in there and they were kind of like running out you uh, know, the during, best movie for that during the movie so you had the idea uh you know one side of this group wanted to do kind of a family friendly friendly hockey you know event and you know, another group was for more you know uh, uh you know, adults only kind of, uh, you know, a lot of alcohol, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, just, you know, uh, make it a totally, you know, a slap shot will get away weekend. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's not resolved and we have no clear mandate to, uh, to do anything on that. But yeah, I don't think I, in Johnstown people have, have come, have, have realized, I mean, I, you know, we keep being told that uh, you know if you if you build it, the Canadians will come. Yeah, probably, <laughs> but we're not sure what it is yet. Yeah. Well, you know, it's neat. I mean, a lot of Canadians go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and this is kind of like a yeah. its own Hockey Hall of Fame. That's for sure. And yeah. Maybe that's the yeah. answer. Maybe you build your own Hockey Hall of Fame and and well, that and there's, center been, it. there's been talk of yeah. that. Yeah, there's been yeah. That'd be I, neat. So did did like yeah. does the okay the movie is obviously inflamed. Um, to exaggerate all the things going on in hockey. But there's a lot of things in the story that are legit. I mean, the way the guys lived and young guys trying to find their way through relationships and hockey and jobs and finances, you know, f willing to fight their way to the top because maybe the skill wasn't there. I mean, that stuff is all pretty real. Does does the movie fairly represent the way hockey was in Johnstown back then? Well, it don't even... Uh, uh, um uh, the writer of the film, uh, Nancy Dowd, was stayed here where her brother, uh, uh, Ned Dowd, he was in, he's in the film, mm -hmm. and that that movie is Johnstown is closely observed and rendered by Nancy Dowd with great veracity. You could 
the the one sportscaster, uh, it was WJAC-TV, Bill Wilson. And it's obviously a parody of Bill. And, and you can actually recognize people in Johnstown places. And so it really is true to Johnstown. Um, you know, uh, there were, you know, pious people who were offended by <laughs> that movie. And there was even a theory that uh, the 77 flood was God's revenge for allowing that pornographic film to oh be, be, be shot here. Now, those are minority opinions. Yeah. I mean, and I think most people, almost everybody had a great deal of fun. When that, that, I mean, everybody has their, you know, I, I have a friend who lives down the street from me. who was a bluebell and, and skated you know, during intermission with the bluebells, so you, you know, they, they're all teenage girls. I know a couple of people, it was a couple of women who were, you know, my age that were bluebells back at the, in the period. So, yeah, no, it, it really, it was wonderful for Johnstown to have a movie being made. Everyone had a lot of fun back then. Well, I think a, uh, a Hockey Hall of Fame and maybe a Reggie Dun- Dunlop um, Hanson Brothers bronze statue or something. I mean, you got to hang your well, hat on something. I- yeah, I was uh, surprised to find out that, you know, they would appreciate Paul Newman more here if we, if, uh, I didn't know he was a Slovak. His parents, uh, you know, he, he, he's, uh, you know, he's a Slovak American. Oh, is he? And there are plenty of them, those folks here too. Interesting. Um, you know, the other, the other theory, uh, film, um, uh, historian I talked to once, uh, made the claim, and I think there's some truth to it, is, there's a secondary theme there about, uh, you know, it's it's about women. It's about feminism. It's about women trying. You know, when you think of the women there. You know, they're they're a mess, but they're trying to. You know, the, at the end, uh, re, you know, uh, uh, Paul Newman's character, his girlfriend, is leaving to find her own, to chart her own identity. It's about women, you know, trying to, you know, in a uh, uh, kind of ad- adversarial environment, you know, trying to find some, you know, some, you know, uh, you know, some way where they, you know, you know, can enjoy some autonomy. Mm-hmm. And Great. which I thought was fascinating. There's like an, a feminist undercurrent to that film because it's it's hard to see immediately. Yeah, you have to watch. Well, it I mean, isn't that the isn't that the funny thing, right? It's a it's a sports based comedy. It's filled yeah. with all kinds of sinners if you will and uh and it's wild but at the same time the underlying tones about team the underlying tones about you know personal identity discovering your identity finding your way uh relying on others um going too far making mistakes and then also doing what it takes i mean some of those very simple lessons on life are are pretty cool when you look at the movie just from that lens and i know that to get all cerebral about uh slapshot seems like strange to most people like a strange thing to do but really uh it was all there it was i mean it's a deep movie and it's like i mean there superficially there are scenes in that are just haunting you know when they're in a van and they're driving the and the franklin works of bethlehem still which is after 1900 that became the center of the steel mill they put vast fortune in the rebuilding the you know raw steel production there with the blast furnaces and the open earth furnaces 200 tall pieces of machinery in the background and you know their their dialogues happening as they're, they're you know driving past this section of mill and this tells dying and you know uh, i mean it was just haunting mm-hmm. i mean it's you know it, there was a um and a later film, Hollywood film, made here, All the Right Moves, with Tom Cruise. And uh, uh, it's based on the premise that the only way this young resident, Tom Cruise, can le- can go to college and get out of the mills is by getting a sports scholar scholarship. And this is, of course, the 1980s. And it's, it's fundamentally false, uh, the whole premise, because, I mean, you know, there's college loans and grants and you, know, mm. you have to get a sports scholarship. And it's kind of pan. I, I find it kind of offensive. You know, it's it's set back in like a much earlier period, although it's supposed to be contemporary. And so it's it's kind of panders. I feel sorry for Johnstown. Whereas uh, Slapshot, I, I, you know, 
uh, you meet the strangest people in that movie, but they're proud of the place. Yeah. And they're, you know, you know, isn't that funny? I mean, I, I, such I, a, it's a real place and they respected the sense of place. Yeah. It's, and it's such a strange look to say that you have those, you know, the high level actor and, and one movie that really seems completely inauthentic. And then you have this one yeah. that's wild and loose and it's the most authentic of them all. It's, it captured it, nailed it. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, crazy. That's, but that's the best part yeah. about it. it. It's a magical place. And so the invitation is there from the, uh, one of the local historians in the museums, Johnstown. <laughs> if you want to go to Pennsylvania, uh, you can check it out. If you got suggestions as a Canadian, I know that our, some of our channels reach deep into the United States. We do get phone calls from, uh, Queens and New Jersey and all kinds of stuff. So, um, Cleveland and so we um the invitation is there if you have ideas Johnstown if you know it and what do we what does Johnstown do to make sure Canadians stay on the map with Slapshot the invitation's yeah. open this is this has been insightful Richard I really appreciate you sharing the time well, this is cool yeah it's a, we're worth visiting anyway it's a great mountain town there's lots of recreation um, my Johnstown Flood Museum, I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, we have a film that won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Short Subject. Oh, it's really? quite, it's a cool story. Really? So it's, no, it's a, it's a neat place to visit. Very cool. Um, well, thank you very it's much. Great place to live too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, move there. I know that there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of campaigns from locals to invite people to come develop business there. So, um, the thank you for letting us have a little snapshot into your your town your home it's um, been a pleasure I, I really appreciate that it's really nice to meet you richard likewise thanks so much good to talk to you this is the shift podcast well handy andy is virtually attending ces being all techno geeky i'm looking at puppies online that's the difference between andy and me and he joins us now here on the shift disco andy now oh, I, this yeah. goes on in vegas like it is ces is the reason why you have the name disco andy so yes. isn't it hard for you to not be there and set your glow stick free you know, I'm like a really disciplined person, Shane, like throughout the year. And then I go to CES and I'm I'm on the show floor looking at the latest tech. And then at nighttime, I let loose. And sometimes I let loose a little too much. And uh, that's how I, I, I kind of got this reputation because people would see me there and they see me once a year and they think I'm like that all year. They think I'm this crazy guy, tech guy. And I'm like, no, I'm only crazy for this one week of the year when I'm here in Vegas. But because of Omicron, I did not go, you know, and I, I actually covered it virtually. I wrote a lot. I, I It was weird. I'm telling you, covering a te- like a tech event virtually is weird. But I did it. Uh, I learned a lot and uh, I stayed safe. And that's the most important thing. Somehow, though, it seems appropriate to cover ces virtually like it actually seems like the way you should cover it because it's a nerd show like it is all of the tech geek things it seems like you should use your geek things to watch the geek things no i i i get it shane but the thing is is like it's like a it, ces is huge it's equivalent to about 32 football fields of show floor space of just technology. So everywhere you walk, there's like something crazy. You might see a, a, a pet robot that's just walking around. So it's like sensory overload. overload. And that's where you kind of get an idea of all these new products that are going to come out for the year. And you really start to, you know, get to try it firsthand. And, and I just, it's not the same when you're sitting, looking at images, reading press releases, um, you know, it, it was not the same, but you know what? It is a pandemic. So, you got to stay safe. And I can't think of a worse place to be than Las Vegas during a pandemic with all these yeah. people from around the world coming into this one place for a week. Typically, it's 175,000 people come to Vegas. Even though Omicron, they still decided to, to host it, but it was pretty empty. You saw a lot of people wearing masks, but um, not, not, not as it was back in 2020, which was the last show they had an in-person fully event. All right, so at CES, where are we going? Let's get a, a bunch of these uh, super exciting things. We've heard about these wearable glasses, and are they a thing? And I don't think they had them really figured out yet. Um, you know, I mean, Google was kind of doing the, basically, it's like the Google Maps feed of things. I don't know. I, are we there yet with the display glasses or not? Well, they basically released these two types of glasses and TCL. A lot, I think a lot of people will know TCL because of their televisions. They make these TVs. They're quite popular now. 
but they announced these two types of wearable glasses. One of them, they look like sunglasses. And when you wear them inside, you're, it looks like you're looking at a projector from about 140 inches, uh, 13 feet away. And these glasses, you would actually connect to your smartphone via USB-C. And say you're just having coffee and you're on your break and you put these glasses on and now it looks like you're at a movie theater watching, you know, something like a big movie and, and you're basically taken away. So if you're traveling, you're on a business trip or you're on the plane, you can put these on and escape somewhere else. I, this is why I have to be there because I would definitely want to try these to see if they actually can simulate that. That's what they're saying. But the other type of glasses they have are called AR glasses. And these ones, you can actually see the, the you know, everything in front of you. But if you get a text message, in the top corner, it comes up. And so you'll see it kind of like, it looks like it's in the environment, but it's coming in these glasses. So it keeps you aware of what's going on on your phone. <laughs> the only thing, Shane, is this is like distraction times like 20 when, when yeah. you have things popping up on uh, on your eyeglasses. But that technology is there and it's going to be, be it's going to be released to the public very soon. Well, imagine uh, like on airplanes, you used to have to take your headphones off, right? Originally for the uh, for the pre-flight briefing, and then that's not such a big deal anymore. You know, usually if you're watching the in-house entertainment system, it gets preempted anyway. Imagine if you have these glasses on, that's going to really distract you from doing things in life. You know, it's also like you used to weren't supposed to wear earphones when you were driving. That was a rule too at one point, but now you see everybody with Bluetooth headphones in. Well, what what worries me is these AR glasses where you can see like text messages and stuff that come up on the display. Imagine if you're driving and you and you get this. This is like the worst thing ever. And I don't know why people weren't talking about that. You know, typically at CS, they just talk about what's so cool. Oh, my God, you can do this. Oh, look at that. Right. They show you video clips. But I'm like, this is this could be problematic. You know, we're, we're going to have to change laws. You're not going to be able to drive with these on because if you're getting text messages overlaid on your screen, you're going to get distracted. Then I can just see so many things going wrong with this, but I guess it's just so new that people aren't talking about that yet. It makes me uh, think about, you know, in relationships where they're like, will you put your phone down and pay attention to me? If you had the glasses on, you would never know. Like, yeah. are you looking at me? Or are you not looking at me? Are you looking at me? Or are you not looking at me? Yeah. You can just imagine anyone wearing, the, like, I don't know, society would be really really different if you had people wearing you're like is are those sunglasses or is that person watching a movie because they're probably like just staring out into space because yeah they're they're, they're getting lost yeah it's very interesting seems stuff. dangerous though that's for sure now porch pirates is a thing people stealing your packages when they land on your front step i have not had this experience knock on wood uh but there's some solutions to protect from it that you can probably also buy online and get delivered to your front door ironically yeah, that's the irony about this. Uh, and so they, we understand that online deliveries are really popular and they're trying to find technology solutions to help porch pirates. And so they, they've actually started to come up with these uh, smart doorbells that instead of just having the one camera, like a wide angle camera, they're going to have two. So one could actually detect the person coming to your door and one's facing onto the ground to see when packages arrive. And they are actually including facial detection so you get what's called family recognition mode so when your family member comes home you're not going to get an alert because that's you know obviously you don't need an alert about that but when it someone comes like the postman or a delivery fedex guy and it doesn't recognize it you can you can set it up so you can get an alert for that but if the cat walks by or or a dog it's not going to give you those alerts because the last thing you want is this camera that your, your phone's pinging and with all these false alarms. So they're actually building the AI inside the camera and now making two dedicated cameras to basically thwart porch pirates. And then also if it does happen, you at least got the evidence on two different cameras in HD. So um, that, that is something I'm really looking forward to because I know that's a big problem in a lot of cities across Canada. Uh, I, I'm still not on the facial recognition. I realize it is already everywhere. The fact that even when you take a selfie, you know, the cameras recognize what is your face and focus there. Although I would say if you could train a doorbell camera to make the sound of, say, a shotgun cocking <laughs> when it recognizes your teenage daughter's boyfriend walk up to the door. Now you're talking. That's a, that's a, that's a thing. That yeah. could be a thing. 
I would love to make the commercial for that product. Could you imagine? It's like <laughs> this lands on your desk. I need you to make a commercial about this new doorbell with the shotgun sound effect, right? Every dad out there would buy that in a heartbeat. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.